Welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Richard. I'm Rob. And this is episode 34, Goodies in the Nick, sometimes called the Great Goodies Bank Robbery or simply Bank Robbery. First went to air on the 5th of January 1974, a Saturday at 6.45pm. Now guys, I don't know about you, but this was another one that I had very dim memories of. And in fact, a lot of the plot was, again, completely new to me. Dare I say, such as the plot was. Yes. Fair to say this was a slightly more thin on the ground storyline. I wish I was as thin as this storyline. <laughs> <laughs> because there wasn't much meat on the bone for this one. It had some good visual moments in it, and I think they were mainly visual gags. I didn't think it was a really good script. And, and I, I sort of don't really like to say this, but I actually think a lot of it's problems with the guest cast. Okay, well, we'll, we'll talk about them in a moment. Look, I, I didn't dislike it. There are certainly much worse episodes out there. But the problem I had was the script. There are, there are good jokes throughout it. There are periods without jokes. But the story just isn't... There isn't enough. And they do chop and change around. They try a few different things. And, and actually, I think there's a couple of ideas in there that I think could have been expanded. And they could have done more with. We'll talk to them as we get to them. During the recording of season four... There was a, a strike at the BBC for a period of time, which affected, obviously, a lot of the, the filming. This one and the Stone Age, which, which I think we sort of covered last week, were both affected by the strike. This one, I think, was only put back about five or six weeks. Now, look, whether that had an impact on how it was filmed and was done in a rush because they, they had a backlog of stuff to get through. It's actually interesting. When you look at the period we're in now, this is where we had the really big... that first big wave of industrial strife that basically brought down the... Heath government, where he called the February... Well, he would have been calling the election for February roundabout now, mm. um, in which Ted Heath went to the country with the question, who governs Britain? And the country said, well, we're not sure, but it's definitely not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I said, I don't know whether that impacted how this came out, but I really... Yeah, this, this one, I found this really quite weak. Okay, so we open up with what I thought wasn't a bad gag, where they're playing with matchsticks... A card game. They're playing Happy Families. And you find out that it's actually Happy Families, <laughs> which I, I haven't played for 30-something years, and I couldn't remember the rules now if I, I had to, but I do remember playing it as a very young kid. Then the fuzz arrives. <laughs> it's the fuzz. The fuzz. Now, they're led by the police sergeant who's played by Jack Douglas. Now, Douglas did a lot of his work in theatres, actually did a world tour as a double act. In terms of movies, he did six carry-on films I was between. Say, two... He was in carry-on movies, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, he did six carry-on movies between 1972 and 1976, and then came back for Carry-on Columbus in '92. Uh, but most of his work was actually in theatres, doing comedy routines, and he had a very famous double act. This is another example of where I'm not quite sure whether it's the direction or the way the goodies wrote it or the way that he's just chosen to play it, but he's made the character just seem almost indefensibly thick and and. Well, that doesn't quite work. I mean, that is sort of a trope. I mean, every time we encounter the police in the good yes. state, they are either corrupt or stupid. They're yes. almost offensively, you know, uh, portrayed as being useless. It's just, yeah, it's just... Uh, utterly just brainless. Yes, and the way he plays it, 
you know, he, he's neither sort of really piled on the overacting nor gone for playing it straight. He, he's one of those ones that's tried to have a bit of a halfway approach, and that never seems to work. I think what we're learning in this is you either, you either go completely straight and let the gag carry, or you just yeah. go way over the top and do a real strong performance. He's just a bit wet. He's just utterly gormless, basically. <laughs> and even descends just to stupidity. You know, he, he doesn't want to go to the police station by himself because he gets frightened or he's scared of criminals. Yeah, I've actually written the word infantile down here, which I think sums it up. Yeah, right actually, that's a good word. And look, I think it is, in that instance there, it's, it's definitely a combination of the writing and, and the performance. It doesn't strike any particular note, really. Um, and it just, it's, it's, very, it's a very weak performance, I think. All right, well, having eviscerated the guest actor yes. sufficiently there, <laughs> we'll get into what I think is one of the one or two quite good bits of the episode, which is the bank raid, which starts with them doing the walk up to the, the bank with the violin cases, mm. and they're all sort of dressed up in the Godfather, sort of, you know, pseudo-mafia type outfit. <laughs> and they have some good fun with that, I thought. I, I thought that was quite funny. And, of course, the scene where they fall down going up the stairs does make it into the opening credits it does, uh, yes. later on. I did have a note here that when they first walk into the, the bank and they make the stocking joke, there's a very obvious boom mic in shot. Yes, uh, Tim's head. <laughs> but, yeah, they do some good stuff in there. The police constantly stopping to try and catch them mm. and being told not to until the end and then missing them wasn't too bad. Graham has some wonderful good stuff, like with him falling over the, <laughs> falling over the, bank, counter, the bank counter, then opening the safe. When they open the vault and the police officers are inside, there's one officer who's licking his finger and rubbing his jacket, and he licks it again and rubs another officer's jacket, and I'm just trying to work out, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I, no, I noticed that too. I don't, I don't know what that is. Very strange. They then have to escape the police via the use of a filmed insert, which I I was actually getting quite bored during this bit, I have to say. Yeah, I, I was too. I mean, it, it, interesting, the note I had here about it was it was long. The other thing with it is it actually doesn't make a lot of sense because they walk through the town, suddenly they're in the woods and the coppers fall out of the tree and then they go past the very large house and then suddenly they're back in the middle of town again on what looks like almost like a building site. Yeah, and it, it also doesn't work narratively. Look, we cut the goodies a lot of slack narratively because it is a comedy, but the entire premise of the episode is that they're meant to be allowing themselves to be captured or arrested so this policeman who's hired them can get a promotion. Yeah, and I mean, when they finally turn back to the goodies' office, I mean, Graham actually says, we thought you'd have caught us days ago. Yes, but they're making such an effort to evade capture in that sequence that it... You know, it doesn't quite work. Look, there are some good gags in there, but... The whole thing just feels a little bit... It, it does, particularly considering they then go on and obviously commit a series of other robberies where they've yes. art treasures and, and God knows what else. But the note I had, the ads are very early in this episode. They come in at about eight and a half minutes, mm. which probably leads to the fact why the second half perhaps felt like it dragged a bit. I, I think the ads are very early, but the police then come back, obviously, to, to arrest the goodies. Yes, where they discover that Tim is no longer known as Tim. He is now... The Goody Father, <laughs> uh, complete with ukulele playing. Yeah, the Godfather, Godfather music yeah. and a pair of Marlon Brando jowls. <laughs> Which are two large marbles, aren't they? Yes, they are. Does the they are. swallow something? The, the, the inference is at the end of it when the guy slaps him on the back that he swallows them. But he does, doesn't he? Because he speaks normally. He swallows Well, something. he takes them out. He ta- you watch yeah. him take, because he comes in and you go, woo, 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 yeah, woo, woo, and, and, then and then he, he takes them, them out. And then he talks a bit and then he puts them back in again. And then he swallows something. And then at the, at the end of the sequence, the guy's he's obviously still meant to have them in because the guy's facing, he sort of does a... <coughs> as, he's, as he's obviously meant to have swallowed it. All right. 
So presumably he was given a gobstopper or something. Yeah. <laughs> but they do get arrested. And I, I did make the note here, though, that they are, of course, arrested not for any of the thefts that they've done, but because they don't have a dog license, because they don't have a dog, which I, I thought was actually quite clever because it's quite, you know, a famous thing that, you know, whether it's Capone or a lot of these other things, they always get done because, you know, they didn't fill in their tax return or yes. Yes. You know, something like that. And it's the same for the goodies here. And well, I, I thought that wasn't too bad. They then get into what I think is the cleverer part of the episode, where the police aren't shown as being infantile, but as corrupt. So you then get some good jokes about how set up the ID parade is. Or, you know, I want to see my lawyer. Okay, and they open the door, there he is, and shut the door. That, that I didn't mind. I thought that was actually yeah. a, a good way to, to send up the police. I, I did have a note here that that was probably the best sequence of the episode, I right. thought. And, of course, it's Eric Chitty making another yes. return appearance in The Goodies. Yes. Where he comes in as the eyewitness. Yeah. He's quite good in that, actually. And especially at the end where he's they've sort of forgotten him and he's sort of bumbling oh, around. That's, the and the audience really picked that up, too, where he goes, you know, thanks very much for coming in, sir, and sort of pushes him towards the door. Yeah. You watch him hit the door and sort of try and feel his way. And the audience really are, are getting, yes. really are finding that quite amusing. I think the episode would have worked better if the cops had been portrayed as uh, corrupt from the beginning. Yes. And not stupid. Yes. And they've embroiled the goodies in some sort of corrupt plan to force them to commit crimes. Yeah. And it leads on into Because you have... I mean, there's that bit where he's got the constable in the room and he says, you know, we're not as stupid as we look, are we, constable? The look the copper gives him is just utterly vacant. Mm. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. There, there is a reference in there I did have where he says, they don't call me Barley Charlo. Yeah. For nothing, which which is a reference to was well, uh, yeah Frank Barlow was the character of Stratford Johns. Mm. He started in Zed Cars and he then Barlow had his own went off into his own spin-off series. Softly, softly, and I think softly, softly. Cast yeah, and Barlow at large. Yeah, uh, they are convicted, and we then get various prison stuff. We get the uh, "Do not feed the criminals" gag, and the next scene takes place three years later. So the goodies have just been sitting there for three years with blankets over their heads. <laughs> that sequence where they're bundled out of the van with the blankets over their head, I have very dim memory of seeing IRA people being taken to jail that way. Is that, yes. is that just a trope or is it definitely meant to be IRA? I don't think it's necessarily IRA, but a lot of criminals would have been taken that way too. Okay. So they wouldn't be filmed. Yep. Mm. And, and particularly the case for the IRA who probably wouldn't want their faces on television. No. But, mm. but yeah, it's not uncommon, certainly in those days. So three years later, they suddenly discover they're in prison, having presumably done nothing for three years. They grow beards. Yes. yes. But, but they're in the royal quarters, no less. Yeah, so that brings to what I think was another quite good sequence. And, and you know, look, we've, we've bagged this episode, but there are some good bits in there. Mm. And I think this was one of them. I think it begins to pick up a little bit from yeah. this point on. But, yeah, as you said, they discover that they're in the royal household. There's the Phil Loves... ER2 or whatever it is scrolled on <laughs> scrolled on the wall and of course they get to make the foul mouth Phil joke yes <laughs> still relevant today yes and a bit about strangling foxes what is it and running people over in cars <laughs> yes that's right a few good royal jokes in there they then of course find the toilet mm. they find their the mini bar the mini bar their lockers the wardrobe yes well it's Her Majesty's prison so yeah. that's right and they use that to escape which leads into the next film sequence. Film, f- leads into the next film sequence. Where they play Run, I believe. Yes, right? it is. It's a return of the Run song. Again, look, there were some good visual sequences in that. The bit probably stood out for me was a bit with Graham where he's in the coat with the dog. Mm-hmm. I found that segment probably went on a little too long. Yes. I think there are... I mean, look, 
they clearly mine all the ball on the chain jokes yeah. I think they could come up with. They've used, I think, probably every single one of them in the episode. That's probably the problem with that sequence that they've got so many that they probably didn't know which ones to chop out. Yeah. So they've included them all. Uh, well, plus I suspect there just isn't enough plot to sustain 30 minutes. There's, there's a few ideas in there. And, like, I could imagine that Tim is the goody father stuff. You could have had a lot of fun mm. with that. That could have been the whole episode. It could have. Mm. Or at least the episode from there. You know, mm. They start off as it is, they go around the bank, and then they discover, well, actually, we're quite good at this crime thing, and Tim becomes the goody father, and yeah. they, they go on, and hilarity ensues. Yeah. I think that would have yeah, been a, a better way. Yeah. And you could still have maybe the prison stuff as sort of the last five minutes, potentially, but, yeah, I thought it was a bit of a wasted opportunity there, because, well, let's face it, the Godfather is a gold mine for just, you know... Yeah. Strip mining for comedy. Oh, I would rope around it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and something that the audience would have just, you know, absolutely recognised. Lapped up. Yeah. yeah. There's some quite funny bits where they come out and Graham's got the two balls as a, as a huge bust. Yeah. And I did, I did quite like the bit at the end where the, the police are arranged like a bowling pins. Yeah. And they do the ball and they don't quite reach. Yeah. That was quite good. I mean, they subverted expectations, so. Yeah, well, of course, they are recaptured. Yes, and they end up on trial. Yeah, which, now, which presumably should have happened three years ago, but well, well maybe they had a very quick trial. <laughs> maybe. So um, they go to the trial. I'm going to be honest and say I really that last scene really didn't work for me at all. I just thought it was. You see, I I, I actually quite enjoyed it because I thought they they'd taken the plot as far as it logically could go, and now they're just having some absurdist fun with it and doing some ridiculous stuff, yeah. where. You know, I want to be the, the defence lawyer. Okay, well, I want to be the judge. Yep, no worries. And they take it over and Builder starts handing out sentences to people and, you know, 10 for you, 20 for you, 69 for Mary Whitehouse, you yes. know, all, all, all of that. It is ridiculous, but I think that's where the episode had to go. And I was laughing at it, so... Yeah, I... okay. I mean, look, I, I did get a couple of lines out of it. I did have a couple of notes here. The bit where he's uh, Bill striking the judge's hammer and winning the prizes, I did wonder whether the last iteration of that was actually the prop didn't quite work <laughs> and he's had to ad-lib the, oh, well, you can't win them all. Oh, okay. I, I hadn't thought of that, but you could be right, yeah. I mean, it, it harks back to uh, a previous courtroom scene that they were in. Yes. So... I, I didn't mind this one. I, look, I definitely did play it for laughs. Mm. The one thing I noticed about the court scene was, uh, I think it's Tommy Godfrey who plays the announcer role. He's got no teeth. He's just, well, he's got one. It's like a snaggle tooth in the bottom <laughs> row. He, look, British dentistry at its best, I suppose, but I mean... Well, 1970s dentistry yeah, too, I guess. But, yeah. Well, he, he, of course, he comes back from after art's sake because he's the auctioneer oh, yes. right. in that. And, of course, we have Eric Chitty as the judge. Playing a dual role. Yes, well, he was the eyewitness earlier in the episode, and then he's the judge. Fair enough. So it all builds up to the ending. We have the court scene. Any other general thoughts about this episode? There was a bit, the note I had, it feeds back the line at the start. Uh, Sergeant Shark says he'll get them two tonne of certain substances and a weekly supply of dirty books, which, which seems to be aimed primarily at Bill, because Bill is smoking a joint very briefly in the court scene. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. It's just after the totally impartial jury have come in. yes. And if you watch Billy, he's having a very quiet puff on, on, on a illicit cigarette. Okay. You're better eyes than me, Richard. I didn't see that at all. So, <laughs> so look, going through this episode, I've, I've picked out a number of good sequences and gags that I think make it a worthwhile episode. It's not terrible, but it just doesn't hold together well. Am I being too generous? No, you're about right. It, 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 the performance from the, as we've said, the performance from the guest star 
in quotes, air quotes, it doesn't really work. And because of that, it undermines the start, I feel. Well, it, unfortunately, it only he doesn't really work and that really only serves to enhance the idea that this is a very weak script. I think that's a fair comment. So on that note, we'll move on to our regular segments. Please, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start... Well, you may regret this, Richard, because we go first into ads. Yes. And well, neither of them are particularly brilliant, I thought. Well, there are two ads this time, which I guess is becoming a bit unusual at this point in the series. But there, there is, of course, the... Now, I have to get this right for copyright reasons. There is the Henson, Henson and Bedges ad, which is a send-up of a, a contemporary ad in Britain mm. where, where the people at the Rafined dinner party immediately crack out the tobacco. It's very obvious the smoke's not coming from Bill's pipe. It seems to be coming from somewhere out of his jacket, I think. Mm. It's the closest they could stick the pipe to the yeah. actual pipe <laughs> smoke. I, I, I think so. Look, I guess if you knew the ad, it would probably be funnier. Mm. But you're right, that... that sort of misses a bit. I, I found it oddly compelling just to look at because they're all out of costume. They're all dressed up. Graham is not wearing his glasses, which is really different. And his hair's sort of a bit bouffant yeah. enough. And I mean, I, sometimes the, I did find it amusing with the smoke going everywhere, but it is, it is a strange one. As I said, I guess if you knew the ad, it would probably make more sense. Yeah. And then the other one, of course, is the Longbow Cider ad. Yes. Which I thought was just a variation on a joke they've done a few times before in these ads. Yes. Which is for it to look like a normal straight ad, perhaps a bad choice of words, and then they subvert it by having an effeminate, effete, or, or you know, yes. subtly homosexual well, I suppose, Yes, I suppose that goes to the bit about, you know, strong bow cider, as strong as your thirst, <laughs> whatever. And, and look, that I thought was the better of the two ads, but you're right, look, it probably wasn't anything hugely memorable. Have we reached a point in the series where they're just tossing these off because they feel obliged to and, you know, we're approaching the point of no return where they're just not going to have any more? Yeah, I, th- I think we are very much at the tail end of the, the ads. We, we are at the tail end of the ads. And look, maybe you're right. Look, maybe they just got to the point where, look, they're just you know running out of ideas for them. Perhaps, perhaps. We move on to tropes. Now, the only one I've got down here is Hearts and Flowers gets used again. Yes. Any others? The run song is used here. This is actually its third appearance. Okay. It's in uh, Hunting Pink and it's also in Way Outward Bound. I have one of the goodies going mad right at the very end. Bill yes. becomes drunk with power and just starts throwing. Um, yeah, it's right at the very end. So. And, and actually, you could get very specific and say, as a trope, one of them doing that right at the very end has actually become a bit of a thing. That, that's mm. how they end it. One of them just goes a bit crazy and there's an escalation cut to the credits. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I did have another note here that, that for an episode that we really weren't that impressed with, three clips from this actually make the credits for the next season, which is uh, Graham with the fake dog. Yes. Them falling on the stairs when they're yes. going to do the bank robbery and the bit where Bill breaks through the wall. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. What couldn't they get away with today? I had the gollywog, which is a prize when yes. Bill hits the bell. You, yes. you wouldn't have them in the shop today. Yes, I don't know that you could probably have a character smoking a joint. I'm not sure. Would he do that on, on uh, primetime TV? Not at quarter to seven on a Saturday, probably not. No. No. I don't believe it was cut here. So I think pretty much everything in it the Australian censors were okay with. Or didn't notice. Yes, or didn't notice. And I think the effeminate um, archer for the strong bow ad, you just wouldn't say anything. Like uh, not in this sort of a show, but I think you'd, you could see it in other shows. Oh, I, I think we mentioned in some of the earlier ones. I, I think you could see some of the pizza or Paul Fennick type shows. I, I don't think they'd have a problem with it. Mm. No, you mentioned that. And finally, 
our favourite gags. Uh, I'll jump in first on this occasion. I'm going for the bit with Graham jumping over the bank count and then doing the safe cracking. That was that was for me quite funny, and it's it's a good Graham Garden gag. Rob, the thing that got the largest laugh from me was Graham with two balls up his jumper, dressed as a woman, um, and that was a nice sight. Gag. Uh, and then and then Bill runs off and he loses with one, and then he just drops it down to his stomach. Does he slap the police officer? Yeah, he does. Time? He hits the police officer yeah. with it and then runs off. Yes. So I, I thought that was amusing. And what about yourself, Richard? I, I'm actually going to go for the scene with the eyewitness. Oh yeah, okay. That's what I, I thought the scene there where they're being interrogated was probably the best scene in the episode, and I thought that was the best part of it. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, well, a less than glowing assessment from us on this occasion, but still some good stuff in there, and that's why we love the goodies. Even a week episode like this, there's still some stuff you can enjoy. Hopefully, though, and I think we can say it will improve next week when we have the race. And who knows, on the way to Le Mans, you may just take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. thought you'd have caught us days ago. Where were you? Well, you see, I didn't expect... I Honestly, well, I... Where's Tim? Nobody dares call him that anymore. You want to speak to the boss? Who's the boss? Tim. <laughs> Nobody... <laughs> Nobody dares call him that anymore. He means... the Goody Father. Oh. <laughs>